Good morning. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Michelle Verrill, and I'm super excited to be here with you all this morning. Um, the 1105 is my service, and so y'all are my family. So thanks. <laughs> thanks for being my family this past year. Um, I joined Covenant just a few months ago as a member, but I've been coming for a little bit over a year um, and just really excited to be with you guys this morning. When I was thinking about how to greet you guys this morning, I wanted to come up and just say Happy New Year. And I know that some of you were like, um, Michelle, it's not January 1st yet, which is true, um, but it is the beginning of our liturgical year. It's the beginning of our new church calendar. Um, and I don't know about you, but I know that I am in the need of new year to come. And so if I can start it today instead of waiting for January 1st, I'm okay with that. Um, so if you would let me greet you with happy new year this morning, is that all right? Because I, I, need, I need a new beginning. Um, I love the way that, that John came and, and introduced Advent for us this morning and that we got to light the hope candle. There's something about candles. I don't know about you, but I love to stare at the flame and just wonder at it. There's something about that. And even Jesus, um, in the book of Isaiah, not in the passage that we'll look at this morning, but it says not even like a, a smoldering wick will he snuff out. That means when we're at our absolute weakest, Jesus still comes to us. And that's what I'm in need of. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm longing for this morning. So as we begin this first day of Advent, this Hope Sunday, we enter in with an anticipation, with a longing, and with a hope that is expectant. Because we know the end of the story. We know that Jesus comes back. We know that he was born, that he rose, that he, he died and rose again, and he will come again. Um, and that he has come to make all things right. And while, um, while Thomas and I, we had gotten together, I took him to Central Market. I invited him to Central Market. I thought everybody had been to Central Market. He'll hear about this you know, later online. It was his first time. And I was like, how long have you lived here? But we went and we sat outside on the patio. We're having a great conversation over Advent and just our passage that we're going to be looking at this morning. And he told me a story. And I'm going to steal that story a little bit this morning. Don't worry, I got permission from him. Uh, just because I, I loved it and I thought it was a beautiful story. Uh, so as you guys know, you know, Thomas and his family used to live in Atlanta. And we actually have a mutual acquaintance that's there um, Steve Hayner. And so Steve passed away um, a few years ago, but he was the president of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, which is what I work for. And so I knew Steve very briefly, and um, Thomas and, and Beth and the girls got to know him really well. And for about eight years, they, every Christmas Eve, went to their house for Christmas Eve dinner. And, and every Christmas Eve dinner, at the beginning of Advent, they would set up their nativity set. Um, and then on that night... Steve would get up from the table and he would kind of disappear for a few minutes and then come back and he would announce, Jesus has come! And everybody would get up and they would go and the baby Jesus would be laying in the manger because for the rest of the time of Advent, he wasn't there. But on that day, on Christmas Eve, they would put him in the manger. And Miriam, um, the oldest, 
kind of got wise to this about five years old, and she was like, I think Uncle Steve is the one who puts baby Jesus back in the manger. And Daniel, or Thomas is like, you know what, I, I don't want her to ruin this for anybody else, so let me kind of give Steve a heads up that she might like, be watching him like a hawk all night, and she did. She was like, where's he going? Where's he going? Where's he gonna go find baby Jesus, right? And so, you know, Steve kind of invites her to come with him and to go get baby Jesus and to put him in the manger. And then that night, she was the one to announce Jesus has come. And he's telling me this story, and I'm just, I'm moved to tears. Like, I just thought it was so beautiful that Steve would invite them in to do this. And they would sing happy birthday to Jesus, and they would finish the meal with a birthday cake. And I was like, man, I love that idea. And then I thought for a second, and then I bust out laughing. And Thomas kind of looks at me. He was like, what just happened? I said, I'm so sorry. I just remembered that we used to have a really similar tradition in my family where my mom, we would set up the nativity and my mom would hide baby Jesus and then my brother and I would go and find him and put him in the manger until the year my mom hid him so well that we never found the baby Jesus. And so from now on in my family, we have Jesus like permanently glued into um, the manger. And I, I thought about it and I was like, man, doesn't that feel kind of how our society is right now? That we've hidden Jesus so well that we don't know how to find him. Like we live in a society where we start Christmas back before Halloween. Like you walk into stores and there's like Christmas decorations up and sometimes they're playing Christmas music and it feels very confusing to me. I'm like, we haven't even had Thanksgiving yet. Like why, why are we starting so early? Because it doesn't feel like it's the anticipation of Christ the King coming. It feels like it's the anticipation of revenue. And everything has become commercialized. And in a way, we've lost Jesus. But there's hope. And there's good news for us this morning, friends. And that good news is that Jesus hasn't lost us. (laughs) He knows where he is, and he knows where we are every time, every moment of every day. And I think that he chooses us. He chose to come so that we could announce, like Miriam, that Jesus has come. I think that we could be brave like her. Because in those last moments with Steve, Miriam went and said to him, I want to keep that tradition alive in our family. I want to keep being the one on Christmas Eve to announce that Jesus has come. And I think that that is something that each one of us can do as well. We're going to take a look at a passage this morning that comes from um, the prophet Isaiah. It's a familiar passage, uh, starting in verse 9, 5 through 7, it says this. Every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The word of the Lord. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for sending your son into this world that we may live with the hope and anticipation of his coming again, that we would live this Hope Sunday expectant of the ways that you want to move into our lives, the ways that you want to move into our neighborhood. And so here we are. God, would you prepare our hearts for your coming? It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So this announcement of Isaiah is is weighty, and it's amazing. I mean, he comes and he says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. Now, Jesus could have come as a full-grown man. Like, if that's how God had wanted it, it could have happened. I mean, a virgin gave birth to a baby, right? God can do anything, but yet he chose to send a son. And it's in the midst of this chaos and this turbulence in the time of Isaiah with the people of Israel, it's in the midst of the madness that this proclamation comes. And you see, friends, we live kind of in the in-between. We live in the almost but the not yet, right? Where God's kingdom has come and is coming. It's a both and. It's a it has happened and it will happen. And that's what it was for the people of Israel. They needed this. They needed this hope. They needed to know that there would be this one that would come in the midst of hope waning, in the midst of the the doubts (laughs) of whether or not God was still God. He's like, yeah, I am, and I've got you as my people. Now, if I'm honest with you, when when Thomas sent me the email that said we're going to do verses 5, through seven, I said, why? Why do we have to do verse five? Like, who wants to talk about bloody boots? Like, I'm sure none of you, like, are really familiar with that part of the passage, right? We like the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. We're like, yeah, we sing that. When I was a little girl, my dad sang Handel's Messiah every year. And I know it very well. And when I was a kid, I hated it because it was so long. And now I listen and I'm just like, oh, I wonder if the angels are singing that in heaven as well. Because it's beautiful because it's this announcement. It's this proclamation. But verse 5? Really? And then I remember, no, I need verses like verse 5. Because I need to remember the reality of which our world is in. And I need to remember the reality of the circumstances that are in my own life. Not that I would be like caught under them, but that I would remember that I'm in need of a rescuer, that I'm in need of a savior, that I'm in need of that wonderful counselor. His kingdom has come and is coming. And verse five reminds me 
that we need him to still come because of the way that we live right now. Because we live in a world in which our government and governments around the world are corrupt and crumbling in many ways, and there's confusion, and there's chaos, and so we long for hope. We long for hope in the one whose government will be one of peace and justice and righteousness. And even in the midst of the chaos, we can look around and we can see how we ourselves and how others are governed by God. And we can be governed by God by the way that we care for people, that we go on missions, that we work for reconciliation within our own families and within our own cities and within the world. And we share the good news of Jesus with our friends and our family. We work for justice in our workplaces. We raise our kids with love. And we devote ourselves to prayer. When we do these things and much more, we are governed by God. And in that, his government has come. And he is the one that will rule and reign. And he is ruling and reigning. But it's up to us to recognize it, to look past the things that we see and to trust in the one who brings hope. While we live in a world of despair and uncertainty where we're just not sure what the next moment will bring, we can look to Jesus with wonder. We can look at him with awe. Because if we spend time in his presence, then we shouldn't be the same. And we can look to him as our counselor, as the one who leads us and guides us while we think about the ways that we lead our businesses or raise our kids or look for our spouses or treat our friends. He can be our wonderful counselor. When we live in a world where things are questioned and our faith is looked at like, really? Why would you believe that? then we can hold on to the hope that the Messiah is the mighty God, that he is the God of all creation, that he is the one who made all things and is in all things and is worthy of our worship. In a world where we're searching for belonging and we're searching for identity and we're trying to find it in all these different things, could we put our hope in the everlasting Father? the one who knows us and loves us and sees us and knows everything about us and doesn't count, us, count it against us, but just wraps us in his arms and says, I'm here for you. I'm the one who is with you through all eternity. And while we live in a world where depression and anxiety are pervasive, I work with college students and the statistics of college students who are suffering from depression and anxiety rises every year because they put so much pressure on themselves to get things right instead of holding on to hope and the Prince of Peace that surpasses all knowledge and understanding. And I know that this week, <laughs> I've had a lot of anxiety because I had a really sick dog. And it may, you know, it's one of those things that until you have an animal or until you have a child, you're like, really? It's 
going to be okay. But in the midst of the, in the pain where you can see the pain in his eyes, my heart just was breaking. And I had to remember, Jesus wants to be my peace. And I can trust him with a puppy. What do you need to trust him with? What are you waiting on? What are you longing for? What do you need expectant hope for? This year has not been easy for me. Um, The past six months have been um, interesting, to say the least. And I realize that um, in the midst of that, that I have needed Jesus to be all these things for me. My fiance and I broke up. We broke everything off back in May. And it was one of those moments where I was like, Lord, I had so much hope. Like, I was planning a wedding, Lord. And then I realized that I cannot anchor my hope in anyone but Jesus. It's the only thing that I can hope for. That's the only one that I can long for. And then I can know that he will not disappoint me. And my life is good. And we, we broke things off really well. There's no animosity there. But I'm still disappointed. My heart still hurts. And I know that each and every one of us have something in our lives where we're like, come on, God, really? Can you please come through for me on this thing? And we hold on with expectant hope. But if we try to anchor our hope, if we try to put our hope in anything but Jesus, we're just gonna end up disappointed in some way because we're broken, we're fallen people. But Jesus is the one in which our hope can be anchored because that hope does not disappoint and that hope does not put us to shame. So I wanna end this morning, um, I'm gonna read you all a poem that I wrote which feels super vulnerable. Um, But I wrote it a few years ago and I just invite you to listen. I invite you um, to have it as a prayer And then at the end of that time, I just want you to think as we pause for a moment before John comes up, where do you need to find hope in the waiting? And how will you choose to pause this Advent? Perhaps it's taking time every morning to go through the Advent devotional that we've been given. And if you haven't gotten one, I encourage you to grab one on the way out last year. I used mine every day of Advent last year. And believe me, it was a time that I really needed it. So I encourage you to do that. Longing, waiting, anticipating the coming of a king, a king who would bring what we needed but didn't know we wanted but longed for. Longing, waiting, anticipating the coming of Emmanuel, God made flesh who was and is and is to come that some have recognized and many have not. The coming of him who came to seek and be sought after we recognize that the longing, waiting, and anticipating is something outside of ourselves that can't be bought with money. God in the flesh who came to dwell among us as we rush around in a busy haze of remembrance of what we truly need. Coming to dwell among 
a people who play the games of the world while the one who comes longs to grab our attention. Are we longing, waiting, anticipating the one born a stranger in a manger who was recognized not by the mighty, but by the weak and the lowly? Slowly we recognize our need for a savior, the one born in the stench of manure that he might maneuver into our hearts and take his rightful place as king. Wait long, anticipate the great I am, wonderful counselor, everlasting father, prince of peace, who came as the least of these that we might be set free. But you see, the priorities of you and me got confused and we look for Christmas presents under the tree, forgetting all about a baby who was born in a nativity that became a man who died on a tree to raise on day three with one thing on his mind, you and me. To set us free from the fantasy that everything is about us. Stop. Wait. Long. Anticipate his coming. The one who was and is and is is coming to a world is in a frenzy and now creation awaits and whispers of his presence. Listen, can you hear him? The source of all things whispers he is coming. And we stop, wait and anticipate the hoping, praying, longing our hearts were created for causes us to pause long enough to whisper, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And suddenly our eyes fixed and our voices raised, we sing the welcoming of Christ the King rejoicing, glad that we chose to wait. Amen.